Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, welcome to Lighthouse this morning. We are so glad that you're here, whether you're here in the, in the house or if you're watching online, we're just glad that you joined us this morning. Uh, Debbie and I have been gone for a few weeks. We were down in Florida for a couple weeks and then uh, through Tennessee. And then last week I was down uh, with the, the crew down from Bluffton and uh, they had five baptisms last week. Five people had crossed the line of faith and we, yeah, you can clap for that. Five people were baptized. <laughs> And, uh, but my favorite was a young man, he's probably, I don't know, about nine years old, and uh, he gives a real clear testimony of what God is doing in his life, you know? It's like, he's saved by the blood of Jesus, you know? And he's, he's willing to stand up, and I'm thinking, man, this young man has his entire life ahead of him to walk with God. How cool is that? You know, a nine-year-old uh, boy taking that step. Just this morning, I was talking to uh, two different people about things that that God is doing in their lives or the lives of people in their family. And it's wonderful to see God working in the hearts of people. Um, I want to start this morning by asking you a question. And this is a question. Have you ever held a secret? A secret. A secret maybe that's so big you haven't told anybody or maybe it's a family secret. You know, it's a, fam- a secret just known. Or maybe it's a family secret, but you haven't told your kids yet. It's just between uh, husband and wife. A secret. Now, I have uh, two daughters, Bethany and Aaron, And our daughters kept the names of their babies secret when they're having babies. Okay? They would tell us uh, the gender so we could buy the right color stuff. Okay? And they told us, uh, Aaron told us that she was having twins. We knew that there were twin girls coming, but we didn't know the names. They kept the names just between husband and wife uh, until after the babies were born. Now, one of my daughters, Aaron, she had a harder time keeping a secret than Bethany, okay? And so she would give us hints, okay? And eventually we worked it so that she gave us the initials, okay? And then, of course, we had the lottery, okay, to see who could guess the right names of these babies, right? It's, it is hard to keep a secret, okay? It's hard to keep a secret. Um, today we're in this series called Face to Face, and we're going to be talking about Mary, the human mother of Jesus. And if you read the account of Mary in the Bible, you see that, that Mary is a person who held things in her heart. She was a secret keeper, now, Mary uh, was hearing the plan of God was being revealed step by step, and there was so much to take in. It would be so difficult to say some of the things that she was experiencing that she held things in her heart. Now, the life of Mary is very unique, okay? She's the one and only mother, human mother of Jesus himself. But I think we're going to find that the account of Mary's life from the Bible uh, will speak to all of us. I'd like to begin and pray together before we dive into uh, the biblical account of the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for your gracious gift of salvation that comes uh, through Jesus, the baby that was carried uh, by Mary, his mother. We're thankful that uh, you offer the gift, the free gift of salvation. We also acknowledge, God, that you're sovereign, that you are God. You have the ability, you have the power to do anything that you desire to do. We're grateful 
that you are God. And so today we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts, that you'd open our minds, uh, that, we would, that we would see the truth of the Scripture in such a way that it would actually change us. We know that you work through ordinary people like Mary and Joseph, and we're grateful for your grace in our lives. We pray for that intimate knowledge of you from your word that actually will change us. We pray all this through Jesus. Amen. Now, the plan today is I want to do kind of a flyby first and look at the life of Mary through the scriptures, and then I want to come back and talk about three things that we can know as we reflect back on her life. Now, as a setup for this, I'd like to read the account of Mary or uh, Joseph first. Joseph is Mary's husband. Um, as a setup about uh, Mary's life to start by talking about what happened with Joseph. I want to do that by looking at Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, and just read the account from the Scripture. And this is what it says. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break off the engagement quietly. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit." She will have a son, and you to call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but did not have sexual relations with her until after their son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. The background narrative, as we read from the perspective of Joseph, is very clear. Mary and Joseph are engaged. This is the love of her life. This is her fiancé. They had not been together intimately because they were not yet married. And Mary is now pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural story. This is a miracle. It's an intervention by God into the normal course of things. It's a, uh, it's a I don't know, it's an interruption. It's an intervention. It's something new and something uh, remarkable. Jesus is the one to come to bring salvation to all people. This is a fulfillment of ancient prophecy, something that uh, Jews would have read about for hundreds and hundreds of years. This is God in the flesh, God, divinity taking on humanity. This is, this is God with us, the word Emmanuel, that's what it means. Now after all these centuries of time have gone by, that ancient prophecy, something talked about 700 years before, is coming true. But this birth is a, a unique miracle. It's a new kind of miracle. Never before or since has there ever been a claim that a virgin would conceive. These are ordinary people, Mary and Joseph, and something 
extraordinary is happening. After um, he hears from the angel, Joseph changes his mind, and he decides to do what the angel had told him to do. And next, I'm suspicious, he went to find Mary. Now I want to take the story of Joseph's perspective here, what happened with Joseph, and I want to kind of stick that on a shelf over here as background. Okay? And I want to switch gears. I want to talk about Mary herself from Luke chapter 1. Now, Luke is a researcher. Okay? He heard accounts from people, eyewitness accounts, and he probably would have talked to Mary. And then he recorded a gospel account, the story of the life of Jesus, from the standpoint of all of the witnesses uh, and the, uh, of what had happened. And this is the story of Mary as Luke writes it down. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. So then Mary asked the angel, (laughs) how could this happen? I went to seventh grade biology. I'm a virgin. How could this possibly happen to me? And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in the sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. The ESV says it this way, nothing will be impossible with God. Now again, this narrative is pretty clear what had happened. Elizabeth, she's the mother of John the Baptist, okay? She's an older woman. She's been considered barren. Now she was with her husband, okay? But it's a miracle because she was past childbearing age, now, Mary, now she's experiencing a miracle, and, and Mary is experiencing a miracle that's even larger than that. Mary's confused, and she's disturbed, right? How could she have a baby? She's never been with a man. How could she have a baby? And, and how could that baby be the son of God? Those would be questions that would be running in her mind, right? Mary's a Jewish girl, okay? So she's probably been to synagogue, And she's heard teachings from the Old Testament. The rabbi would have spoken. I'm not sure that anybody would have had a reference point to know what it means that a virgin would conceive. But that's the story that we read in the Bible. There's no reference point for that kind of miracle. But you know, this isn't a miracle that's happening in some textbook. This is a miracle that's that's happening to Mary. She's living this miracle day by day. She's not married. She's never been with a man. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a great deal of details. 
And I think it's wrong when people make up stuff that's not in the Bible. For instance, some people make up the idea of the Immaculate Conception that Mary was without sin. But you know, the Bible pushes back against that. In fact, uh, Mary called Jesus her Savior. I do think, however, it's healthy for us to allow ourselves to enter into the narratives of the Bible. To ask this question, what would it have been like if I were in that story? What would I have been thinking about? What, what kinds of things would have uh, I experienced? For instance, here are some thoughts that might have run in your head. What will my parents say? Mary was likely a teenager, you know? Will they be disgraced or ashamed? Will they be thrown out of the synagogue where our family, will we be thrown out of our community? Will anybody believe that I spoke to an angel? Will people just think that I made that thing up? Here's a question. Will Joseph leave me? You know, Joseph engaged an angel separately from Mary. And for a while, she didn't know what he thought. Will Joseph, the man I love, leave me? And then there's these practical questions. I talked to my, my wife and my sister on the way down to Florida, right? We have a long time to drive. We called my sister up. We were talking. She has five sons, right? And we talked about uh, pregnancy and the story of Mary from the Bible. We talked about all that for about a couple hours, right? But here's a practical question. I, I wonder what it's like to be pregnant. She never had a baby before. I wonder if I'll have morning sickness, you know? I wonder how long till I show. And after I show, uh, what are my friends and neighbors going to say? Because they all know I'm not married. Will people be happy when they see my baby? Or will they look right past me as the girl who had a baby when she wasn't married? And how did I find favor with God in the first place? You know, why me? I'm a common girl. I live, in, I live like 10 miles west of nowhere. Why would God choose me to bear his son? I don't know how well Mary paid attention in synagogue. Okay, but she might have asked a really scary question. If Isaiah 7, that the virgin will conceive, is true, perhaps it's also true that my baby is the suffering servant described in Isaiah chapter 53. Maybe my son is the one who's going to die for the sins of the world. Is that God's plan for me and for my son? You know how the human mind works under stress, right? It's kind of like somebody's got a machine gun aimed at you, and these bullets and these thoughts are fronted as fast as they can, and they were colliding with each other, and it's like, it's frustrating, and you don't know what to think, and all this stuff is coming, these questions are coming, and, and it's like, what do you do in that moment when all of that stuff is like pressing in on your mind? What do you do in that moment? Well, this is how Mary responded in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. That's how she responded. Now, Mary has choices to make, okay? But I don't think you get ready for making choices in circumstances like this unless you've learned to trust God along the way, okay? Mary leaves this circumstance after seeing the angel, and she goes to visit Elizabeth, right? 
After hearing from the angel, um, Elizabeth uh, is in another town. She goes there, and Elizabeth is experiencing her own miracle of a baby in her old age, right? A barren woman having a baby. And this is the, the, uh, the account, verse 41. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth, this is the mother of John the Baptist, he leaps within her. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and then Elizabeth speaks, and this is what she says. To Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Then look at verse 45. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, this is what she says about Mary. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do exactly what he said. Mary breaks into this song of praise. You can read about that in chapter 1. And in that song, you you see the character of Mary. This was a, a person who was humble before God. This is a person who had genuine belief that God would do what God said he would do. Now, there is so much that's left out of the story in the Bible. We have to speculate a little bit just to put a little bit of thought to it, right? If this were a romance novel, this thing would be 500 pages long, okay? And we just have uh, just a few snippets, just a little bit of information. The Bible is largely silent about her pregnancy until the trip to Bethlehem, where Jesus was to be born, Imagine being Mary in that time. She'd heard from the angel, and then pretty soon she knows something is going on inside of her, right? Days turn to weeks. Weeks turn to months. And pretty soon you can't hide what's going on anymore. Everybody can see what's going on. The entire community knows that Mary is having a baby, and Mary is not married, what do you say to people if you're Mary? You say, hey, I talked to Gabriel. <laughs> people are going to believe that, right? Do you say, hey, uh, I'm the mother of the Messiah? Do you say that? I think it's pretty obvious why Mary held so many things in her heart. What do you think she said to her dad at dinner? You know, her dad, the one that used to like Joseph? Yeah, I think this is probably something that was a secret between Mary and Joseph. You know, God gave them each other. And even though she was very pregnant at the time she went to Bethlehem in a day when travel was pretty hard, my suspicion is that it was a great relief to leave home and go to Bethlehem with Joseph. There's not much written about Mary in the rest of the Bible. There are some snippets to her and to the family, just a handful of uh, events that you see in the Bible. For instance, the birth in Bethlehem, you see that, there's uh, some content there. It's a supernatural birth. There's shepherds and there's angels and there's wise men and it's a the Christmas narrative. Everybody's uh, listened to that story. There's the offering in the temple. They go and it's two turtle doves or two small pigeons, right? Those are the kinds of offerings that poor families are allowed to bring. At the temple baby dedication, Mary heard Simon or Simeon, he, he blesses 
Mary, right? And he says this, this is the salvation of God. It's a light to reveal God to the nations. Joseph and Mary both hear these things and they're amazed at what's being said about this baby that Mary is carrying, right? But then Simeon speaks just to Mary. And this is what he says. Uh, Verse 34, "This, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your very soul. I have been to a few baby dedications in my life. But I've never heard Pastor Fritz or any other pastor say anything like this. A sword will pierce your very soul. It is no wonder that Mary held so many things in her heart. Mary was a secret keeper. Jesus grew up. He's filled with wisdom. And God's favor was with him. And Mary's raising her son. It's probably just like raising every other boy, right? Except for the fact that this kid never sinned. You know, how many people here have kids that have never sinned? <laughs> I'm not seeing too many people dive in on that one, Okay. So yeah, this is, this is a kid who never lied, okay? I, I suspect Mary knows things, new things that, that no one else could possibly have known. From raising Jesus, she knew things as a mother that no one else could possibly know. You remember the event when eight, uh, Jesus is age 12, Mary and Joseph go to Jerusalem for the festival, right? And, and Jesus is in the temple talking to the religious leaders, and he gets left behind, the caravan leaves, and then Mary and Joseph that evening figure out Jesus isn't with them. Can you imagine the prayer that night? God, <laughs> I'm sorry, I lost your son. <laughs> you know? We'll go back to Jerusalem, we'll find him tomorrow, Okay. Took them three days to find Jerusalem, or to in Jerusalem to find uh, Jesus in the temple. And then there's this additional gap of like 18 years that go by, and we don't know anything. There's nothing in the Bible recorded about the rest of Jesus' life as he grows up until he comes back into view at the beginning of his public ministry with a miracle. It's a wedding at Cana, right? He turns water into wine. Mary is there. The disciples are there. The brothers of Jesus are there. They're all there. And they all see the miracle as Jesus turns water into wine. The first miracle of Jesus' like public ministry, he's, he's front and center in this miracle in this little place in Canaan. Mary's right there. She sees it all happen. She knows about the, uh, the birth of Jesus. And now she sees this miracle of water turned into wine. We fast forward to John chapter 7. And the brothers of Jesus want him to go to Jerusalem knowing that the religious leaders have a number on his back. They want him killed, right? Mary isn't just negotiating normal sibling rivalry, but the brothers of Jesus at that point, they didn't believe that Jesus was who he is. How would you like to be her? She knows the truth. She knows she talked to an angel, right? She knows that She had a baby before she had been with a man. She knows that this is the Son of God. She heard the prophecies about this child. And yet, the brothers don't believe at that point in time. She would have seen the miracles of Jesus. She would have heard the things that Jesus said. 
Her heart probably would have been confused when, when people rejected Jesus, when she knew the truth, right? She saw the religious leaders. These people wanted to kill her son. And she probably would have heard Jesus speak about his coming death and his resurrection. Another miracle that would be hard to wrap your head around, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those gospel accounts, she was right there from the beginning. We don't know exactly all the things she saw, but maybe most of them. But then at the end of the gospel account, there's very specifically mentioned something that she did see. Mary was at the foot of the cross as Jesus was dying. She would have heard him gasp for air as he spoke to her one last time. Dear woman, here is your son, is what he said. At that moment, I'm guessing that she understood what Simeon meant all those years ago when Jesus was dedicated to the temple. I bet it felt like a sword was piercing her very soul. Jesus was the suffering servant predicted back in in Isaiah 700 years before, and now uh, she's seeing it come true right in front of her eyes. She watched her son, the son of God, die on a Roman cross. Jesus was dying for the sins of the world. He wasn't dying for his own sins. He didn't have any. He was dying for my sin. He was dying for Mary's sin. He was dying for the sins of the world. Oddly, there is no evidence that Mary ever interacted with Jesus after he rose from the dead. There's no great reunion between uh, mother and son. But we know this that Mary was with her sons and the disciples and a number of other women in the upper room after Jesus had ascended before Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given, praying. We know that she was at the scene at the end. What Mary always knew was now confirmed. Uh, Her baby was the Son of God. This is the promised Messiah, The ancient prophecies from Isaiah are 100% true. What the angel told her had happened. This supernatural act of her becoming a baby, uh, pregnant when she was, was a virgin, has come true. This is the savior of the world. You know, then and now, those who believe in Jesus find salvation, they find genuine hope, they find eternal life. That's what the Bible teaches us. It was her baby that turned into a toddler and then a little boy and a teenager and finally a a strong son. He died for the sins of the world and was raised to uh, to victory over death. This is the eternal sovereign plan of God for her son. I want to transition now for just a minute as we, we read the story of Mary's life and you read the gospel accounts and all that's recorded there for us to read by God, it, it shifts my attention toward God. That's just what it does to me as I read it. And I want to talk about just for a few minutes, uh, three things to know as we consider the life of Mary. The first thing to know is this, Mary lived in humility before God. Mary lived in humility before God. The Bible is crystal clear. 
both Old Testament and New Testament, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Sometimes I think of it in football terms. You've probably all seen a football game, and the running back has the ball, and he tucks it up tight. And what does he do with his arm? He puts it out to stiff-arm tacklers to keep them away from him. Okay, In the same kind of way, God stiff-arms the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, humility isn't self-depreciation, and, but instead it's, it's seeing ourselves in correct light before God. Pride, on the other hand, is eliminating God from the equation. At the heart of it, pride is living in independence from God. It's functional atheism, living as if even if he does exist, God just doesn't matter. Instead of increasing our dependence on God, Pride is living as if God isn't there, just living as if I'm enough, I'm enough, and living in my own terms. Genuine humility pushes through that set point and recognizes God in every aspect of our lives. I would encourage you to check the blue card. There's some verses there from John chapters 14, 15, and maybe even 16. And uh, those verses kind of lay out how a person can be close to God, how they can know him intimately. So the first thing I take away from the life of Mary is this. She was humble. She saw herself in clear light of sovereign God. The verse that supports that most strongly is this. I am the Lord's servant, she said. May everything you said about me come true. The second takeaway from the life of Mary is this. She believed God and she trusted him fully. Now, Mary leaned into God's plan before she knew what the whole plan was, right? When she first heard from the angel, she didn't know much about what was going to come for the next 30-some years. But it's, it's a kind of maybe just blind faith almost. It's just an act of humility to say, whatever your plan is, God, I'm there. I'm going to lean into that because whatever your plan is better than any plan I might have for myself. It's this kind of profound saying yes to Jesus, to God's leadership. It's over trust to what God has said and who God is. Lots of people substitute religious activity for knowing God. Uh, There's lots of different ways that happen. Sometimes it's just academic understanding. People get all lost in theories and ideas, and they can debate all the theology in the world, and they're just living in a thought world. Sometimes people get uh, stuck in legalism. You know, if I just keep a set of rules and I try really hard, God will accept me then. But you know, religious activity, whatever form it takes, religious activity can never replace deciding to hear God's voice from the scriptures and to believe and to trust God completely. That's what Mary teaches us, to believe and to trust God completely, deciding to hear God from the pages of the Bible. It is absolutely astounding to me that the brothers of Jesus, they were raised in the same house. They saw Jesus grow up, okay? They were at the wedding in Cana, and they drank the wine as a wedding for family and friends. They saw the life of Jesus, and they knew what was being said. They were there. They were in the scene. And yet, for a long time, they didn't believe. It's possible to be very close to religious stuff and and never believe. I remember a man, this whole discussion of Mary brought to mind, a man that I met at a funeral a few years ago. I may have mentioned him before. 
But after the funeral, he came up to me and he said, you know, I have been pretending my whole life. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I know what to say so that everybody thinks that I'm a Christian, that I'm part of their group. But you know what? I don't believe. I don't believe. I've been pretending my whole life. That's a gut check, right? A man who's lived his life pretending about his faith in God. You know, to the extent we live our own lives on our own terms, we're all pretending a little bit. I mean, the truth comes when we say, you know what? I'm going to decide to hear what God has said through the pages of Scripture. I'm going to lean into that thing. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust God in an authentic way. You know, genuine faith in Jesus is time to quit gaming other people because what they think really doesn't matter, you know, and to know God in an authentic way. Salvation comes to us when we accept the truth of the Bible and we believe in Jesus. That's when salvation comes. You know, there are, I, I know people who are atheistic in their viewpoint, you know, okay? And some of them have rejected religion. And you know what? I would agree with them because religious exercise doesn't get you anywhere. What we're talking about is deciding to hear and believe God as he's presented himself to us in the scriptures. Salvation comes when we accept that. And then transformation, that's a continual process. As we continue to say yes to Jesus, we see him in the pages of Scripture, and it changes us. It changes our lives. It changes our hearts as we, as we lean into that, and confession and prayer, all of that uh, comes together. This is what Elizabeth said about Mary. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Genuine belief. The third thing that I learned from the story of Mary is this. Mary said yes to Jesus in profound ways. Mary said yes to Jesus. God calls all Christians to do something remarkable in his kingdom. That's just the story, you know. Um, there are no bleacher seats. We're all called to do something for the kingdom of God. And in Mary's case, her calling was to be a mom, Think about it. That's what Mary was called to do, to be the mother of Jesus. I'd like to digress just a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, moms and even dads. You know, we have the opportunity to raise kids who understand genuine humility before God, kids that believe and trust God fully, and kids who say yes to Jesus for a lifetime. We have the opportunity as moms and dads to do that, I think raising kids is, is high calling. It's not an optional thing. It's not a second-rate thing. It's high calling to raise kids that walk with God. But, you know, even as our kids grow up and leave home, there's still plenty of room to influence our kids. They never stop watching our lives, you know? Kids know what's going on in our hearts. They can see that. And then if your kids are fortunate enough to have grandkids, there's a, another chance, like a second bite at the apple, to uh, help influence the next generation uh, as they walk with God. I can't think of many higher callings than that, to raise kids who love God. You know, it's high calling that goes to moms and dads. A few years ago, a friend over at Living Hope uh, asked this question, what's the secret of raising kids that really love God? What's the secret to that? You know what I think the secret is? I think the secret is to walk with God yourself and show them what it's like to walk with God. Walking in humility before God and saying yes to Jesus every day in every way. 
a life that's on that trajectory. I was not a perfect dad. I can go back and make the list. But I'm grateful that God's grace towards my daughters and our grandkids. I want you to think about this. Mary said yes to Jesus. And as a result of that, she got to spend more time and experience more of Jesus' life than anybody else on the earth. She was the mother of the Son of God. I want to finish today right where we started. I began with this question. Have you ever kept a secret, a secret so big that you wouldn't tell anybody, right? A secret in the back of your heart. Well, I think for most Christians, actually, um, we all secretly want to really walk with God. We want to know Him in an authentic way. I think we get tripped up easily, and we get, <laughs> we get lost doing stupid stuff. You know, that happens. What we really want is heart change. We want to know the real deal. We want to really know God. We want to understand that our prayers are heard, and we want to know His character from the pages of the Scripture. If Mary teaches me anything, what Mary teaches me is to believe and to say yes to Jesus every day. You are invited to believe, to let the truth of the gospel come into your life, to let the uh, kind of the experience, the assurance of the Holy Spirit flood you. You are invited to believe. You're invited to say yes to Jesus every day. It's not about religious activities. It's not about obligations. It's about listening to God through the pages of the scriptures. He's revealed himself to us and aligning our hearts with him. The band is going to play one more song this morning. Uh, we'll have prayer partners in the front and in the back. And I, I, my prayer is for every person in here that we would just take a few moments to pray. Whether you pray in your seat where you are or if you'd like to pray with a prayer partner, uh, they're here to pray with you. You can pray with them about anything. Or if you'd like, you can actually write a prayer request on the bottom of your connection card and people will pray with you and for you this week. I'd like to pray for us as we close this morning. God, we are so thankful that you've chosen to communicate clearly to us in the pages of Scripture uh, everything about yourself, your birth and your life, and all the things you said and the miracles and, and the truth of who you are. I'm so thankful and grateful for the life of Mary that she said yes to you and that, that she's a testimony of what it means to say yes and to follow you and to believe. I pray for each person here today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead uh, every person in the room to a time of prayer, whether it's a prayer in a, where they sit or whether uh, praying with somebody else. I pray you, uh, just by your Holy Spirit, you draw us all uh, to you in prayer this moment. And I pray all of this through the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.